All right, guys, welcome to the inaugural Cage Potatoes MMA show, podcast slash YouTube show. Woo! Yeah. I, I, I am Paul, uh, the P in the Cage Potato. My co-host here is Connor, my brother in MMA and also literal brother. <laughs> so... Yeah, this this has been a huge week for uh, MMA. It's it's probably the biggest card of the year, certainly so far. Uh, Poirier McGregor two, and uh, the MMA gods have have certainly blessed us with a lot of weird stuff that's been happening. Yeah, no doubt about it, Paul. And uh, before we get to and everything, I think we should just back this up a little bit. We are we are two literal brothers who have been watching MMA for a long time. You know the first MMA fight I ever watched? No, I, I actually I actually don't. Okay, so it was Kimbo Slice versus James Thompson at your college graduation. We were staying in the hotel. We put on CBS, and I watched that man's ear explode, and I've been hooked ever since. So thanks to this guy right here, I've followed MMA as closely as I think anyone can for the last 13 or so years. Um, Every time you and I are together, we're yupping it up about the fights. We're talking in and out the cage. So we figured, why not get together? Let's just let's just get on video, and maybe no one's going to watch this, Paul. I, I don't know. I don't know. But you and I are going to have some fun. We're going to talk about some fights. We're going to look at some crazy stuff on Twitter. We're going to look at some some betting lines, and just just whatever the hell we want to talk about with MMA. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah, no, so am I. I. I actually didn't know that that the, your first fight you ever saw was Kimbo James Thompson, because it's funny. Strike Force, you might have watched a fixed fight. There's like a really reasonable chance that that fight was was either partially or fully fixed. Well, what what way? What better way to get introduced to MMA than <laughs> than uh, with that? So, yeah, right. All the lead XC man, they were they were shady operators for sure. Yeah, well, we won't we won't rag on coker and crew too much just yet but uh but yeah dude we got a we got a really big card ahead of us this weekend it, it feels like there's a lot on the line for for both both guys and and certainly a, a lot of undercard fights to get excited about so let's let's get into it yeah yeah but even before before we talk about the upcoming card you know i think it's worth discussing the news in the heavyweight division with ninganu having a, an interim belt created basically right underneath the guy's nose within i mean what, what's it been 30 days 90 days since his last three fight? months since his last uh title his title victory over stipe so um uh, it's fair to say that we've seen a much longer gap between heavyweight title defenses and uh and no such thing as interim belt but uh what dana wants dana gets and uh, i think that's what we have on our hands here and it's it's a real shame because, you know, Francis is just a guy you can't help but love him. He's got a great story. I mean, the the man was working salt mines, uh, you know, and and here he is, champ of the world. Seemed like everything was against him. He he finally gets his 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 chance, his rematch, and takes care of business. And here we go. We're we're gonna try and pretend that that there's two other guys who who should be wearing heavyweight strap. Yeah, I mean, you know, I understand from a business perspective what the UFC and, and WME group are, are seeing, right? The heavyweight division is one of the most followed. It gets people excited. 
it's you know the the biggest baddest dudes on the planet right or the most powerful right i mean you know fans know pound for pound is is the real measure of skill but the the fan that's knocking back natty lights in the bar and yelling yelling you know whoa 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 stand him up i get too hard on natty lights here all right (laughs) i I got a nice ipa here all right but but i'm not above some natty lights that's true that's true though though as pennsylvanians and as pit grads uh our loyalty has to be to yingling well i see light if if we're getting real specific but (laughs) we are we are eastern pennsylvanians we are we are philadelphians if i do say so oh yeah (laughs) yeah well i'm not like i said not not above throwing some shade at natty natty light but uh yeah, you know, I think the 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 Joe six pack fan, you know, cares a lot about the heavyweight division, and they want to see title fights. And the UFC has shown that it will create as many belts, interim, new divisions, whatever, so that belts are always on the line and always changing hands. That said, I think the UFC, and this is a broader complaint that I have, I think they're diluting their product. Uh, a lot actually um both in volume and in the i don't want to say the quality of the fight cards but the ufc i think invests less in their fighters and so you know i think some of this is actually a huge mistake i think they should you know like you said nagano is a great he's a he's a great fighter but he's also a great guy and a great story and instead of taking time and energy and money to promote the Ninganu story between fights, because now he's not in camp, now he has time. Instead, they're trying to put on two more fighters, two more heavyweights to get people talking. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's a great long term business decision. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's hard to say what what's the best long term move, but you know, the UFC in these last three, four years since WMME has taken over. Uh, it's just been about where can they squeeze another dollar at the next turn? And I, I think I saw an MMA junkie piece this last week talking about there was a, a Morgan Stanley analysis just on the UFC as, as a WME product and just talking about some of the points where they, they could maybe you know increase their revenue. And, and one of those things was site fees, which is uh, something that the UFC, I, I guess, is kind of moving towards so they can actually create a contract with a venue and, you know, commit themselves to X amount of shows, X amount of events, you know, for however many years. I'm not sure the specifics, but I know for a fact that the venue in Houston that they're fighting at is one of the latest signings that they've made. And obviously, Derek Lewis being, you know, the big name in Houston, H-Town, H-Town's finest. There, they wanted, they just wanted to put some some shiny metal on the table. But I mean, we we really got to ask ourselves at what cost, and and why not make that the main event? And and you know, uh, you you got Amanda Nunes who's fighting on that card, and and now she's getting bumped down a notch. And I don't know. I all respect to Cyril Gaon and Derek Lewis, but man, I, I, I hope you don't burn a bridge with with Francis because that guy is a star. That guy is just. He's the scariest guy in the fight game right now, and and I just don't want to lose him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't know the status of his contract off the top of my head, if he's close to renegotiation or not. But, yeah, this could definitely be the UFC trying to send a negotiation message, if that's the case of, of you know, letting, 
letting Ninganu and his management know that, hey, we can find other stars, other people of your caliber. But again, to me, it just feels so short-sighted because the UFC already has a bargain on its athletes compared to other sports. Ninganu tier athletes, you know, the top of the top, the top, you know, 5% of players in the top professional league in in baseball, you're talking hundreds of millions of dollars. You know, every other sport, that's what they command. And you're paying out Ninganu, what, two, three hundred thousand a fight, maybe. You you he just can't cl- even just get close. Other- I'm sure I'm sure he's making more than that, or at least he he'd better be. Yeah, I hope so, but it's still nothing close to, you know, baseball level salaries. And so Or even the Tyson Furies of the world. Yeah, yeah. And again, not to go not to get too far off the agenda, but that's another. It's embarrassing for the UFC product to have their fighters earning more boxing YouTubers than uh, winning titles. But that's 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 for for a slower news week, I think. Yeah, for sure. So, let's see. Did did, did we want to talk about Joe Schilling? <laughs> do, 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 I don't even they know call, what this is going to be a little segment. I, I I'd like to call. Uh, you're not that guy, pal. Trust me, you're not that guy. Okay. You're not that guy, pal. Trust me, you're not that guy. Okay, and and each week, I'm sure we're not going to have to look too hard to find a guy who uh, who's not that guy. And unfortunately, to a, a skinny skinny looking dishwashing looking guy at a bar who had a few too many, he found out he was not that guy. And and Joe Schilling, unfortunately, had to put him in his place. This is ridiculous. At the end of the day, I mean, you're you're a a longtime veteran kickboxer. No one no one looks at that guy and looks at Joe Schilling and and thinks that you know we don't know what would happen if if they were to throw some hands. But unfortunately, if if you guys haven't seen the video, um, and, and you gotta wonder who's taking this video. It's it's all very odd because at some point someone decided, oh, something interesting is going to happen. Let me hit record, and sure enough, this poor guy. And he and I will say he he makes a little bit of a lunge, a little bit of a move at Joe. But and Joe Joe came out afterwards said he was scared for his life. Yeah, if, that... if he was scared for his life, I, I got I got some bridges to sell you in Brooklyn. Uh, you know, poor guy. Took 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 a cross from Schilling and uh, and it was good night, and and I, I highly doubt he's gonna be messing with uh, with with a with a guy wearing a, a a fight shirt again for that matter. Yeah, I, it's you know it, it it's it's a hard video to watch honestly because at the end of the day, Joe Schilling as a trained fighter, you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to like get him to flinch by like you know a, a lunging or whatever sort of drunk thing that guy was doing right. Joe Schilling knows the difference between a real punch and a feint. That dude, what he did, doesn't even qualify as a feint. It was like it was like a brief shoulder spasm, or like a you know like a middle school bully like making the nerds flinch. And like maybe that worked when he was in middle school with bullies, uh, but obviously it's not going to work against someone like Joe Schilling. And the fact that he did that, the fact that Joe Schilling, even if you don't know who he is, he's six what six three. Like, probably 200-plus pounds off-season. And this dude looked like he was, you know, 5'8", 5'9", you know. Buck, buck 60, soaking wet. Right, yeah. And, yeah, like, built, yeah, 
Buck 60 with a lot of weight he could have stood to cut, you know? This is someone who posed no meaningful threat to Joe Schilling. And, you know, as far as having the phone out, I, I, I'm sure this dude was just drunk and running his mouth in some Buffalo Wild Wings or something. And, you know, don't get me wrong. We've all been there. We've all seen the drunk guy. And there's that little part of us that just wants to shut him up. But the difference is, is that, you know, when you punch someone like that and you drop them, right, you might just knock them out and, and feel good about yourself and they sort of dust themselves off and go home. But there's a subset of people that get severely injured, right? Especially, you sure. know, uh, they're not hitting, you know, they're not hitting the padded surface or the, the flexible surface of a cage or a ring. They're hitting potentially a concrete or wood. And yeah. there are stories of people who die I from just tripping and falling and hitting their head on concrete. So for, you know, someone to roll the, someone as good and as knowledgeable as Joe Schilling to roll the dice and try to fight a stranger in a bar is just really, really yeah, it's, embarrassing. It's an indictment on him. But, you know, at the same time, I, I saw it came out that the guy was, was going to sue the establishment. Well, the establishment comes out and says, oh, this guy's a regular. He's, he always comes in, gets way too drunk and, and causes problems as if that's some sort of uh, vindication on their part. Well, why, why are you giving this? Why are you serving this guy drinks? If he comes in and starts so much trouble and, and gets so drunk, why are you feeding him more alcohol? It, it, you're just waiting for something like this. So uh, I'll be curious to see how this all plays out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's almost unfortunate that it was noted fighter Joe Schilling because now everybody and their brother is going to be involved, right? Like, if it was, if it was like, you're, you know, if it was like a fighter from your local gym that no one ever heard of and, you know, some rando drunk guy and no one had their phone out, then this would probably be a situation like resolved by bouncers. Maybe somebody would call the like cops if they were around in the bar district and the cops would come in and like, you know, wag their finger at them. Right. But because now it's been recorded because it's been picked up by the national media Right. This guy probably has a lawyer that is willing to work pro bono just to get some attention. Right. Uh, the the bar now is in the middle of this big hubbub. Right. They have to get a lawyer in case this other dude sues. You know, if you're a prosecutor, you see this video, people are tweeting about it. Right. So now you've got to do something because it's embarrassing for you to be on national TV, not prosecuting this. So it just it, it's a worse outcome for everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I don't see anybody winning as a result of this of this nonsense. Joe Schilling's career, because it was filmed, is now in jeopardy, right? I don't know. I'm. Sh I don't What's know if. He, it, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which may be a blessing in disguise. I mean, Joe Schilling's Joe Schilling's taken a lot of blows, and his chin isn't isn't what it used to be, really. In 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 the cage, you know, and in the ring. Yeah, no doubt, and and at the end, ultimately here. Uh, to this guy, if you're watching, you're not that guy, pal. <laughs> you're not that guy. No. Okay. <laughs> oh, that is the video of the summer, no doubt. Oh, uh, yeah. Now we got to splice that in. We got to splice that in. Um, yeah. Okay. So what about old uh, Gilbert Burns and Wonderboy? Do we want to move on to that? Yeah, let's let's or talk a little co-main event here. Um, 
you know, I, I, I think I looked up and down this card. I, I really looked into these fights, and I think the UFC has the placement just right. This is definitely the number two fight on this card. Uh, you, you, you got two veterans who really, really have to... The, the time is now or never for, I, I think, both of these guys. Um, Wonderboy, he's 38 years old. Uh, Gilbert's 34, so it's it's weird that Gilbert's you know the the younger guy here, but but Wonder Boy, I mean, if he's gonna make a run, the time is now. He's on a two fight win streak. Obviously, Burns is coming off the the title shot, the failed title shot against Kamaru. Um, it, to me, this is this is a really good fight, and I am I'm really interested to see how these guys come out and how they game plan. Um, I, I watched the first embedded episode last night. And I, I, I did like what I was hearing from Burns's cor- Burns's team. Um, they sound like they're focusing on a lot of lateral movement. They want Gilbert to be moving side to side to to not be a standing target for Wonder Boy. The problem is Wonder Boy also has lateral movement, and and he's he's not going to be standing still either. So I I think you, you in a way you have a classic striker versus grappler, but. Man, I mean, Wonder Boy has just fought a who's who of grapplers. I mean, his his two two fights with Tyron Woodley and Woodley's prime. I mean, Woodley had real trouble taking him down. There there really hasn't been anyone to this point that's been able to to take and hold Wonder Boy down. And um, I don't know. I don't know that Burns is going to be able to do that. And it is it you know he caught Kamara with that overhand right, but this is Stephen Thompson. I mean, he's he's much much longer. Uh, he, he, he plays the distance just so well. And, um, and I think he knows, he knows that this, a loss here could be, you know, could be the end of a, of a potential title run for him. So I, I, I think, I think, um, I don't know. I just really think Wonder Boy is, is, is going to, is going to come into this fight with, with a really smart game plan and look to execute and, and not to discredit Gilbert Burns here, but, you know, Burns, Burns has, has some wins. You know, he's he's six and one in his last seven. So, hats off to him in, in that regard. But you know, with with wins over grapplers like Woodley, Maya, Gunnar Nelson, um, you know those that, those aren't Stephen Thompson level strikers. And and while Thompson's three three and one in his last seven, going back to twenty sixteen, it's crazy he's only had that many fights. But um, two two wins in a row. Vicente Luque is is an absolute killer and. You know the KO to, to Pettis was was a crazy one, but I just I don't know I'm 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 feeling I'm feeling uh, Thompson may get this one. What what are you thinking, Paul? Yeah, I think fundamentally I I I have the same pick you do, right? I've got Thompson in this. Um, you know I look at that Vincente Luque fight and I see Thompson really just tooling up another another Gilbert Burns style fighter in the sense these are brawly short stocky um jujitsu specialists with with really heavy hands who kind of sometimes seem to fall in love with them and this is a pretty like I don't want to say tropey style but it's kind of a trope almost in the UFC of this sort of fighter that again has great jujitsu knows if people don't want to come to the ground with them and so they become just this fence swinging uh ball of muscle and steven thompson has solved this problem and has been solving this problem for a big chunk of his ufc career and i have yet to see the sort of striking 
from Gilbert Burns, right? To, to, for him to beat Thompson, he needs to have some phenomenal counter striking. And that's not to say his coaches can't deliver that, right? That they can't get a Steven, figure out Steven Thompson's um, specific tells, go-to combinations, and get uh, Gilbert Burns to just slip in on, you know, that one combination, right? That one, um, you know, weird kick Overhand or whatever. Right. Exactly. Find find that that pattern that shows up in all of uh, Wonder Boy's fights and exploit that. That's possible. It's possible for any fighter, but sure. I just don't uh, for a three a three round fight. You know, this is not this is not five rounds, so it just for me it just increases the likelihood that Thompson's gonna stand on the stand on his outside, pick his shots, um, and I don't think he's gonna rush in. So uh, that's why for me, uh, I, I like to I like to place a wager every now and then on a, on an MMA fight. I I must admit. And um, I got to say that it's interesting because because I've been tracking these lines for the last couple of weeks or so. And Thompson was about a, a minus 135, 140 favorite for, the, for about two weeks out ago. And this past week, somebody's been throwing down some cash because we're, we're looking at Thompson sitting around minus 165 right now uh, as the favorite. So, you know, and lines can change leading up to the fight and and. Personally, I find it's better to wait, um, wait until at least after weigh-ins, because for all you know, a guy's going to weigh in and look like shit, and and barely be able to get off the scale, and and you you know you don't want to be a, you don't want to be picking that. Have already placed your money down on that guy. So, uh, my recommendation, to everybody, is just just think about your fight, think about what you like, think about past the victory, which which we've talked about some for for both guys here, and. I just see the most likely path to victory as as Thompson being able to to outlast Gilbert to to stay on stay at range. If Gilbert does manage to land a big shot, I, I think Thompson can shake the cobwebs off quick enough. And and I, does he want to get in a grappling competition with with Gilbert? Definitely not. But but man, I, I think Thompson's striking is just too crisp, too clean. And and I also you know the way that line's moving. I don't like to lay that much juice, especially you know on, on a guy these talent these talented. So I, something that I'm looking at here is is Thompson by decision that that'll get you back uh, plus one forty five. So you're looking at a, about a, a buck fifty for your dollar. And you know for me, uh, I, I'm going to lay a half unit on Thompson by decision. So for me, my units are, are about a hundred dollars. So in this case, I'm going to throw fifty dollars on Thompson by decision. Um, and then looking at the rest of this card, I, I think my, my best bet here is a, I got a two fight parlay with a little bit of juice on both sides, but I, I just, I think both of these are going to hit, uh, the Irene Aldana fight, Yana Kunitskaya to go the distance. I, I, I hate to say it, but I love to bet the women's fights to go the distance. Um, you know, unless, unless you got Nunes in there or, or a couple other girls, uh, Kuniskaya is a very big 135er. Aldana's a striker, so even if she even if she cracks her, I think Kuniskaya can 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 survive. Um, that that's at minus 320, so you you can't just bet that straight up. So, um, an, a, a parlay fodder piece I love is Ilya Taporia over Ryan Hall. Um, Ryan Hall hasn't fought in two years, you know. We all we love Ryan Hall. He's he's the man. Don't get me wrong. We can watch his grappling Anara rolls all day, 
Iminari roles all day, but I, I just think this Ilya Taporia, he's he's a, a ten and one, nine and one, something like that. Georgian fighter, maybe even undefeated. I, I gotta look at that, but he's too athletic, he's too strong, he's too active. He, you're getting minus two fifty on that, but you put those together and you got minus one nineteen, and I'm willing to lay a little juice on that. I'm gonna put the one point one nine units down to win one unit. So we're looking at $119 to win 100. So those are my plays for this card. Again, I'm I'm gonna wait until weigh-ins. If there's something I I don't love, then you know I'll 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 tweet it out. You guys can we'll, we'll post my Twitter. You guys can give me a follow. I'll, I'd love to follow back. We'll talk some fights. But uh, but yeah, you know that that's my prediction. Where where are you leaning with Thompson? Yeah, I I mean I wouldn't hmm. I don't know if I'd be willing to put up a decision. Um, I just think that, you know, as the rounds erode, Thompson is just so good with his positioning, he's so good with his striking, that it's not inconceivable that he is going to catch Gilbert Burns doing something stupid in the third round, right? Burns is going to get tired, and if he goes down on points two rounds, he's going to have to do something crazy and reckless. And that crazy and reckless will probably be my guess would be to start diving for takedowns or lunging for big overhand strikes. And in either case, it's going to be him having to wade through Wonder Boy's reach. So I, I don't think it's actually that inconceivable that Wonder Boy uh, connects late in the fight and puts him away. What I thought was interesting is actually Ryan Hall and Ilya Taporia. I... Ryan Hall has such a bizarre style that it's almost hard to prepare for him. People, like, he keeps beating... I mean, beating BJ Penn is is its own thing, right? BJ Penn has been washed up for a while and should really... What should be happening is that BJ Penn should, be, should have been a commentator like six years ago, right? He's smart. His analysis would be good. Um, instead, he just keeps getting hit in the head and uh fighting strangers and taking fights he shouldn't have so uh, the, and but fighting the, more strangers and fighting more strangers and the so ryan hall beating up bj penn okay not a big deal but gray maynard is a total legit wrestler and admittedly the fight was a while ago but this was also when gray maynard was a lot more effective and ryan hall managed to shut him down with those bizarre kicks and his ridiculous imanari rolls the problem is, where can you find another training partner that's going to simulate that for you? And if the, the answer is, you really can't. There's only one Ryan Hall. You could get maybe like the, the Meow Brothers, but nobody fights MMA and you know brings that, what's, what's really a, a, a sport jujitsu um, style into the cage, right? The idea of like Iminari rolls, attacking legs, um, diving on subs. This is this is something out of like sport jujitsu, out of you know EBI and some of these other promotions that incentivize uh, submission hunting. So I w I just can't ever be confident enough to put money against Ryan Hall. Definitely, I mean he could definitely get knocked out for sure, absolutely, and he's definitely older, but. I don't know, it's tough to say. Like, he's someone who doesn't appear to have ground his body out a ton. He runs a school actually out here in Northern Virginia. So I don't know how 
hard, how, mu how much mileage he's accrued in his time off. And he may have just gotten better, right? The, the interesting thing about training is, is that striking is, there's a, there's a cap on when you train striking. So, you know, you can only get hit in the head so many times before you're not making yourself a better striker. You're taking away your chin, right? You're, you're hurting yourself. And jiu-jitsu, if you have good training partners and, and you manage your volume a little bit, you can get better almost nonstop, right? Again, as long as your training partners aren't, aren't ripping subs on you, you can train a lot and get a lot better without, there's no like chin for you to wear out. Does that make sense? Sure. So it's tough to say if, like it's really tough to for me to say if, um, where I think this is going to go or for me to come, come down against Ryan Hall, uh, as much as the lines have him as a, as an underdog. Um, you know, the other thing that's worth saying in all the interviews I've watched with Ryan Hall there, he has a just different mentality than a lot of fighters. I don't even know if he cares about fighting MMA. Like, I think he like likes it, but I, 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 I like, he doesn't seem Right, like he's not like it's not like he's relocating to the Black Zillions or uh, American Top Team, right? Again, I can drive to his school here in Northern Virginia. I don't, and I don't even see that many of his like grapplers at like local tournaments. So it's tough for me to say what what his training has been and like what his mentality is going into this fight. You know, again, in some ways, could be an asset. I mean. You have to have a weird headspace to Imanari roll BJ Penn, right, in an MMA fight. Um, but or throw from, heel kicks at Darren Elkins. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Like these, these, it, like it's like he doesn't give a fuck, and that's what's that's what's carrying him in this in these fights is that he just fights like someone who literally doesn't care, and like it's true he doesn't care if he gets taken down for sure because he's he'll be better on the ground than almost any active UFC fighter probably. But does he not care about being like a UFC fighter? Like, is I, I don't know. I don't know. He's definitely someone who's like, he's weird by jujitsu standards, which is saying something. Sure. Well, that's you know, we 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 both have our takes on that, I, and I'll I'll be excited to watch that fight, and we can uh, we can break it down next week. So yeah, that'll that'll definitely be exciting. But obviously, Paul, we we all know what we're here for, you know. We all know what's going down this weekend. It is Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier, number three trilogy fight for all the marbles. Um, obviously, Conor McGregor has a, a featherweight win over Dustin and knockout win. And now we have Dustin has got his revenge, UFC 257, with a TKO win of his own over Conor at, at lightweight, which I think is important to, to note. So... This, this is a big fight, and this is a big fight for both guys. And I think this really sends guys, both of these guys in one direction or the other for, for good almost in, in this fight. Um, you know, if Dustin loses this fight, he, he, he kind of lost everything that he's been working for, motherfucker. So I, I think this is, this is commendable for him to take this fight. But as I think we'll discuss, there are a lot of reasons to like Dustin in this fight. And and this is a must win for Connor. I mean, if 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 you're a Connor McGregor fan from the last four or five years, you don't really know the Connor McGregor that came out and was just starching fools left and right. Um, you know, you've seen him kind of have mixed results. Um, 
Connor's three and three since he's moved up from featherweight. And I just think, I, I think him at featherweight was just such, such a perfect weight class. I mean, obviously he had to just absolutely kill his body to get down there. And, and you know, when you're, when you're a millionaire 10 times over, it's, you don't want to make that weight cut anymore, but he, he just had that size advantage. And, and I think that's really what propelled him. And even in the win over Dustin, that, that was a weird KO. I mean, he, he lands that, that, that hooking, right. And it, it's almost his forearm that catches the top yeah, of the head. Yeah, I actually rewatched it several times to try to figure out what had happened. It was like a glancing blow, maybe to like the back of the head. It was really bizarre. Yeah, so I, I, I hate to call that a fluke. It's certainly not. I mean, Connor obviously has proven his KO power at, at the weight class, but you know, since moving up, he's three and three. Dustin, since he's moved up from featherweight, is seven and two. And and you see him on video. You see him in the cage. He he is really filled out his frame is just it's huge and he's he's really just taken to this lightweight division i i I think he's just he's just so well-rounded he's he's got you know the frame the size and it's it's a very interesting fight and for me i I watched that last fight and there's a couple of things that i i took note of for sure um you definitely see saul mcgregor trying to throw a lot of straight punches which you know is he incorporates a lot, but more so than this in that last fight, more than than usual. It looked like he was determined that he was just going to stand in the pocket, throw one twos, land that that big that big left, and I don't know. Dustin Dustin had a perfect game plan. He I had forgotten that he had taken him down so early. He he gets that takedown, and you know we all know Connor in the in the first two minutes, first five minutes of the fight is is most dangerous. So. That's when he's really got those power shots leading up. If Dustin's gonna, if Dustin's gonna win, I, I'm really thinking. I mean, and Mike Brown is just just such a phenomenal coach. I got to think at ATT, they're they're telling him, hey, take this guy down. Don't stand and trade with him right to start. If you're gonna, you know, side to side punches, that's fine, but don't don't look to to get in the pocket with this guy right away. Yeah. So I I rewatched their second fight, and I actually found that Connor had this strategy where he appeared to be standing really wide and he lunged forward. Like he had his weight, his shoulders very forward on his punches. He wanted, he wanted to maximize his reach is what he appeared to be doing. And actually in the first round, um, it appeared like Connor was really landing almost at will. Poirier didn't seem to be able to understand the timing of Connor's strikes. Uh, didn't appear to have great head movement. And, I mean, the first round looked like a Conor McGregor win, despite the, the brief takedown. But what's interesting is that Poirier's strategy of grinding out Conor's legs paid huge dividends because you can see by the second round, those unchecked kicks start have already slowed Conor McGregor down just a little bit, right? But as soon as they did... Poirier's boxing, you watched his head movement show up, right? Suddenly he was slipping McGregor's punches right and left. And as soon as McGregor's punches stopped landing, Poirier could go head hunting. But it was really dramatic to see that shutting down Conor McGregor's legs, right? Because again, he had that really bizarre, to me, it's like a horse stance, like something out of Taekwondo. It's a boxing stance, really. I mean, that, that wide, you want to get your, your, your legs nice and wide so you can really sit down on those punches. But, and, and I was just going to bring that up to you. I mean, 
there's no way he's he's going to be standing like that for this fight. I mean, there's there's just no way because he, he was just staying in that pocket, not reacting to the low kicks, and it only took a couple. I mean, in my mind, I was thinking, oh, Poye, Poye landed a, a lot, but it, it was only a, a good three or four that really did the damage before you could see Connor just was not able to put pressure on, on that lead foot. Yeah, yeah, and again, with that lunging style of punching, and this is probably a testament to Mike Brown. Like, it was no accident. You know, because Connor loves lunging, that weight shifts onto that lead leg, and so if you knock out that lead leg, there's th- th- he can't he can't lunge his punches forward. His punches start losing distance, and they lose power. And yeah, I mean, I think I, I have concerns generally. Right, like you said, Mike Brown has coached so many elite top tier fighters in top tier fights against other like championship level fighters in contrast SBG really SBG Ireland and John Kavanaugh have one elite fighter Conor McGregor right Gunnar Nelson you go oh Gunnar Nelson's there well one Gunnar Nelson isn't that elite two he's at SBG Ireland which just means that they're a franchise right I'm sure I'm sure he flies in occasionally to train but to me you've got at this level you need to have day in day out a stable of killers. I mean, to me, that's the story of Kamaru Usman. You know, he moved down to um, right the Black Zillions, or is he? An yep. A- yep. Moved down to the Black Zillions, and I remember watching some of his early embeddeds and just watching him and all the Black Zillions have these like grinding wrestling practices with just this insane intensity. And I was like, day in day out, there's no way you can train like that and not get better. But it's not from flying it guys in, you know, for a couple of weeks to be a sparring partner and flying them back out, right? You've just gotta you've just gotta put in weeks with elite tier fighters. And I'm not sure Conor McGregor does that. And I'm not sure John Kavanaugh has experience in thinking, right? Because he's gotta ask himself, okay, right? You gotta think like a like a chess player, right? He goes, Okay, what's Mike Brown gonna do? And what's he going to have Poirier do to counter the Conor McGregor that steps into the cage today? Because Mike Brown knows that Conor McGregor is not going to do the same thing and expect a different result. So he's going to say, okay, what's the different, what's different Conor McGregor going to look like? And then from there, he's going to go, how do we stop, how do we stop this, you know, the 2021 Conor McGregor? But I don't know if John Kavanaugh is dynamic enough to like play that game at the level that someone like Mike Brown is, you know, again, Mike Brown, the guy who fought Uriah Faber three times, um, you know, in the, for the WEC belt. It's just the, Aldo the level. Aldo Benavidez, you name it. Right, right, exactly. You're talking about just just so much of a better pedigree as a coach. Um, I, you know, I, I kind of worry about Kavanaugh getting uh, the Ronda Rousey effect where, you're, you know, you have a superstar with immeasurable talent, so much talent that it, that it compensates for the fact that you're, you know, a relatively middling coach, like her coach, uh, Edmund Tar- Tarzarian, Tardarian, Tarzarian, Tarzarian, right. He's, his name I, is lost to is, history. Head movement. Head Ronda. movement. <laughs> head movement. <laughs> Meanwhile, Rhonda's head is completely static, a fixed point in space, unmoving as she throws punches from her shoulders like a, like a, like a Nordic track. Hey, you it know. worked up to that point. I know, right? You, you, the fact that you knocked out Betch Kohea and, and Kat Zingano is, is just 
incomprehensible to me at, at this point. But you know, like you said, you got to be good at you got to be really good at one thing in MMA, and you can make a career out of it for sure. Yeah, and and you know, it sounds like we're both kind of leaning Dustin here, but obviously. You know, Connor, Connor still has a chance in this fight for sure. And I think it is going to be interesting to see what kind of game plan he comes out with. Um, you know, I, I think he's going to look to, to time that, that straight left cross, his, his, his rear, his rear cross, um, with Dustin's kicks a little bit, you know, when he, but the problem is those, those calf kicks, they're just, they're not the same as, as, uh, you know, a stand, a traditional Muay Thai low leg kick. They're, they're so quick. It's just that, that upward motion where, you almost can't check them, you know. If if you're if you're in the way of them, there's really no time to check those. So, I don't know. I'm I'm expecting Connor to to kind of lean back on his kicks a little more. You know, I mean, he the you look at his old fights, Dennis Seaver. He he loved to throw those spinning back kicks. Um, I I I don't know. I think he's just gonna kind of come out like a bat out of hell. And and in my mind, he almost he almost knows I can't go five rounds with this guy. Um, so I, I just see him kind of trying to unload, but if Dustin if Dustin can keep a similar game plan as as the last fight, I I really see Dustin getting this into the second and third round, and and just he's and it's just it's just not the same when you're when you're that size when when you're as big as Dustin is and, and Connor doesn't have that that big size advantage. Those shots they just don't land the same way, and and I think I think he's just gonna get frustrated by. You know he's gonna land those big shots, and I mean Dustin, shit, he he took he took a beating from from Justin Gaethje, and I mean that guy's put almost everybody's lights out, and I don't know, I just I think Connor is is gonna is gonna find himself in the second and third round, and, and, and in a similar situation, maybe even the fourth, I, it, it could go that far, but I, I really just see Dustin coming in with a great game plan, using his size, using his his all around MMA talent you know his experience of of sparring with guys who are who are just way more talented than the guys Connor's Connor's rolling with and and going with so uh for me Paul I'm thinking a, a third or fourth round TKO for Dustin how how do you see it playing out yeah i'd say about the same third or fourth round that's usually when you see McGregor really start to wilt um i i think it's actually more likely that you'd end up with a Khabib or Nate Diaz situation where an exhausted Connor either tries to take it to the ground or can't stop Dustin from taking it to the ground. And from there, Dustin just punishes him before he gives up like... Um, Darce, maybe a little Darce. I was thinking a head and arm choke, but I could see a Darce. Dustin's got some wins with the Darce. Yeah, but but Connor like Turtles does something stupid and gets tapped out for sure and with a choke, right? That's, that's, that's my prediction. Um... So yeah, maybe yeah. take a look at should we take a look at the betting lines and then talk about some of the fight drama surrounding surrounding this, the social media drama? Yeah, I was even gonna say, I mean, I, I texted you about an hour ago. We saw McGregor put out a, a what we agree is has to be a Photoshop tweet of, of Jolie Poye trying to DM Connor on Instagram and you know, I, I, I think it's just a sad attempt at Connor to uh to try and bait Dustin into a, a slugfest more or less. I mean uh, and he, they, I think a few months ago he was tweeting something at him like, you know, first one to shoot is a dusty bitch, something, something lame like that. And, uh, and that's, you know, that's what he wants. He wants Dustin not to shoot. He wants Dustin not to grapple. He wants him to stand there and, and exchange power punches because he knows that's, that's the best path to victory for him. And, and I mean, 
I watched I watched Dustin say he hasn't been on social media for the last month, and even if he was, you know, I just don't see him and, and his team and his, his experience and, and as a vet in the fight game just getting drawn into something like that, like Jose Aldo did. And you know, it, it's it's kind of it's kind of pathetic at this point. But I mean, McGregor, that's how he's always kind of done it is his mental warfare, and this is just another another dart. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny, you know, Connor is such a great shit talker, but at the end of the day, this is not for reasons I can't quite put my finger on. This feels like insecurity. And maybe it's like it's like it's like the guy who gets beat up on the street like in a bar fight or something, just viciously. Like like the guy got knocked out by Joe Schilling standing up and being like, "You're a bitch. Like you don't got shit." Like I fucked your mom, and it's just like, what? What do you? You're you're somehow embarrassing yourself worse because you got your ass kicked, right? And I think some of that is like the Connor mystique is is gone, right? Like he got beat up by Nate Diaz, picked up a win by or Nick Diaz, picked up a win by like sort of playing it Nate. super cautious. Nate, oh sorry, I don't, I'm losing my mind. Uh, and then got the brakes beat off him by Khabib. Got the brakes beat off him by uh, Dustin, and you're just like, yeah, his you know his lone win in the last whatever three four years is uh you know let's just be honest over the hill, Donald Cerrone. I mean, yeah, yeah, Cow- Cowboy is is not is just looks like a worse and worse win for him as as quick as it was. I mean, and Cowboy's is a notorious slow starter. I mean, if going into that fight, we all kind of knew. All right, this is sort of a. a you know, pick me up fight for McGregor for the, from the UFC here. And uh, I'm surprised the UFC even wanted to make this fight, but I guess, I guess this is what Dustin wanted. Dustin obviously feels confident and, and he knows if he wins this fight, the title shots there for him. I mean, him, him and Oliveira would be a hell of a fight. At first I was a little disappointed that that wasn't the fight that's getting made, but I'm sure it's, it's Dustin's call. I'm, I, I'm sure. And I hope he's getting paid big bucks for this. So hopefully you know, we're, we're, we're a little bit of Dustin fans, but irregardless, I mean, I, I think Dustin wins this fight and, and you know, the, the sky's the limit for him from there. McGregor, he's got to win this fight. It's, it's win this fight or, or almost leave the UFC with your tail between your legs. I mean, it, I just can't see him fighting the, I, I don't know, the, like the, the mid-tier lightweights of, of this division or, or weights or whatever weight class he feels like fighting in. Yeah, I mean, the thing that's interesting is that if you look at the top pay-per-views of all time for the UFC, McGregor headlines three of the top three. And it's... What's what's also interesting is that they're fairly recent, right? He took his loss to, to... Like, when he last fought Poirier, you know, he had a couple, like, he had been, I don't want to say exposed, but he had had his losses, right? The shine of Conor McGregor, the untouchable star, was gone, but people still paid to see him. And that's sort of interesting. I think it's a thing with MMA fans. Speaking of Kimbo at the earlier earlier in the episode, you know, Kimbo had the same effect. He lost fights, and people still tuned in in the millions to watch him. And so I think the UFC honestly needs Conor McGregor, and for some reason the fans will keep tuning in. Now, the real question I, uh, to me, in my mind, is, you know, Conor McGregor just sold Proper 12 for millions and millions of dollars, and he made 
tens of millions boxing, you know, Floyd. And I'm always just left with the question of what still motivates this guy? Like, why would you take all this brain damage? I mean, I think it's legacy. I think he wants his legacy back. And Oh, he's, he's so competitive. But I'm just like, I'm just like, you have so much, right? You always said you wanted to be bigger than the sport. You became bigger than the sport, but, but you can't leave it. I just always, I, it, to me, I always ask the question, like, when you have hundreds of millions of dollars, which is probably what he has or could have, why are you motivated by making $300,000 for a non-title fight? Like, maybe maybe he's coming back because he's like, hey, I'm going to win the belt. Khabib's gone. My, like, the, the guy I couldn't touch is gone, so I'm going to take the belt back and then retire with it. Maybe that's his vision is to, like, leave on top and then be done. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to say, but I, I think I think on one end, if if he had walked away after this last loss, I mean, that's that's kind of the taste everyone's left in their mouth. And if he loses this one, well, he just lost it to the same guy before. So in a way, it's almost like, what do you have to lose? If he wins this fight, now he won the trilogy. He, he doesn't have to give Dustin a, a, a rematch. He can say, I took two out of three against this guy. Give me an Oliveira, which, you know, maybe wouldn't be a great matchup for him. Or, or you know, he, he could stick around and box Manny Pacquiao. I don't think Pacquiao is going to be interested if, if he loses it to, to Poye again. So, you know, this is really, like we said, make or break for, for Connor here. And I don't know. I, I, you know, we, we, we loved watching his rise, the, the Diego Brandau fight. I mean, the, all, all those fights coming up were, were incredible. He's a captivating guy and, and don't get me wrong. He's got a ton of skills, but I just think, I think he's run into a guy in Dustin Poye here. That's just, just too well-rounded, too tough, too big for, for this division. And, and you know this for all we know this this could be the last mcgregor fight yeah yeah no it's true i mean is it well it could be he could ride off into the sunset with his tail between his legs i don't think he's capable of it um i think if he lost he would want to at least go out on a win i think he'd take one more against like maybe not a jobber but like another aging name pick up a win thank the ufc for their time and go finally uh get that diego sanchez fight Oh my God! Listen, I didn't say I wanted Conor McGregor to murder a helpless person. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, oof, oof, I was watching some old Josh Fabia interviews today, and damn, that was that was I don't bad. Know why you'd do something like that because I because I love torturing myself. <laughs> Obviously, um, did we want to talk about Colby Covington's uh, tweets from today? Not even gonna. No, we can talk about it. I, you know, I hate giving that guy the time of day, but, but yeah, he thought he was, he thought he was dropping something, uh, something crazy on us with this. If you guys haven't seen it, there, there's about a 30 second video of of Dustin sparring with a guy. He's Dustin's got headgear on, and and the guy who we don't know, but but later on, Dustin came out and, and said he was a pro fighter. But Colby leaked this video saying basically here's Dustin KO and you know standing KO uh, a guy who's an amateur and you know, he lands an overhand, right? The guy goes down and, and Dustin's, you know, he, he's leading up to a fight in this video. So he's excited about it. He's just trying to get himself in the mindset. And to me, there, there's nothing there. I mean, you, you go in and you spar with a guy like Dustin Poye, you're, you're going to get dropped uh, eventually at some point. And, and, 
you know, I'm sure that guy wishes he landed that same shot on Dustin and did the same thing. So, I mean, it, it's just it's just another case of Colby Covington just trying to ruffle some feathers and and get get people talking about him. And here we are. Yeah, yeah. No, it's true. And you know, I, I do want to make the point that one of the things that's really interesting in sort of all, all sports, any sports psychologist that that I've ever read has talked about visualization and like imagining yourself executing your game plan against your opponent, visualizing the whole situation all the way through. And so part of it, right, if you're having these sparring matches, you, they may actually, as coaches may be like, okay, we're going to actually walk you to the cage from the locker room. We're going to actually play your entrance music, right? We're going to actually have you and your opponent, like maybe someone will ref or maybe someone from the octagon will yell out what the ref would yell, but really train your body to fight in something that feels like the real thing or the closest real, the closest environment to the real thing. So if that's what you're trying to simulate, then yeah, as part of the confidence builder in your training, right? If you get a KO, then yes, you walk around, you throw your hands up and you like, again, reinforce that positive visualization in your training. I don't, I mean, it sounds, it looks weird, right, to see him KO somebody and then walk away and, like, I don't know, kind of put his hands up. But as, a, as an elite-level athlete, I think that sort of, like, realistic environment and visualization type of training is essential. So, and again, even if this guy is an amateur MMA fighter, right, if he's a Golden Gloves champ, then he's a great person to spar with uh, Dustin. Right, I mean, I've there's a lot of amateurs with who, who are at the level to be sparring partners for pros in their dimension. You know, a lot of jujitsu brown and black belts or competitive jujitsu players that will do groundwork and MMA work with elite pro fighters, even though they themselves might be just amateurs. So again, I don't, I don't again, th like you said, this is Colby Covington being a troll, right? Figuring out the media. Uh, topic of the week and interjecting himself into it with a non-story he's he's great at it i give him credit he's like not that exciting a fighter but manages to keep himself on everybody's lips by just being you know colby covington the asshole even though we all know it's an act we still get Can't ruffled up by eyes. it yeah 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 you know no, no doubt and, and and further your point i mean no coach who who was worth his, his weight is is throwing in a guy. He doesn't want Dustin or or any real fighter to spar with someone who, who who's going to just get walloped by him. So, I mean, I, I don't have any doubt that this guy had had you know a, a reason to be in there, had validity to be in there. And in my opinion, I mean, there's just there's just nothing to see here. Yeah. Oh, and talking. I mean, I was actually sort of again. You did it, Colby. You got under my skin, too. Um, his comments about Dustin Poirier being, like, weak or whatever for wearing headgear. That might be the stupidest take of anyone. Of anyone. Let alone a UF for, former UFC champ? Current UFC champ? I don't know if he's still... Who, Colby? Yeah, didn't he win, like, an interim belt or uh, something? Oh, yeah, he won, he won, yeah. Oh, okay. Interim yeah. belt. A former yeah. interim champ. Okay, yeah. well, we, we've discussed what that means. Uh, but... It's the stupidest take because Dustin Poirier needs to not get knocked out by Conor McGregor. And if you want to ensure that happens, you can't let him get knocked out in training. Definitely not the week of the fight. You probably shouldn't have it happen at all, ever, for any reason. But 
you know, I, I'm just like, I'm shocked that that's even a thing you're thinking about. Like, you got to preserve your fighter's chin. And, like, if Headgear's going to do that, then that dude should be wearing the Marshmallow Man suit, you know? Yeah, and, I mean, there's there's arguments out there that Headgear really doesn't do all that much, and if, if in some instances, it almost makes the, the concussive blows even a little worse. So, I mean, there's it's it's all about a preference with Headgear, and obviously, you know, there's there's potential for, for damage no matter what, whether you have that on or not. So, you know, I, I don't read too much into that. If, I'm sure if that guy wanted to wear headgear, he, he would have had it on. So, mm-hmm. I mean, this is just this is just a 30 second glimpse in uh, uh, things that happen every day in an in a MMA gym. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. Totally agree. Non-story. So we've got we got uh, four minutes left. Do we want to cover cover the odds of, uh, of the main event? Yeah, and um, similar to to Thompson, it's been interesting because you know leading up to the fight, it was about as close to a pick'em as as you could get. I saw McGregor and Poirier both minus one ten at one point, but money's come in on Poirier, so you know we'll we'll see where the line ends up. A lot of times, you see casual fans are throwing twenty, fifty, a hundred bucks on McGregor just just so they can yell at their TV, and and and, and that can sway the line, you know, in, in high volume rather than when the Sharps come in and, and lay the big money. So it'll be interesting to see where the line ends up if, if Dustin stays. He, I saw him sitting around him about a minus 125 to McGregor, giving you a plus 105. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think the implied odds there are about 55% Poye, 45 Connor, which for me, uh, I think there's a little value in Dustin there. I mean, I see him winning this fight 6 out of 10, 7 out of 10 times. So... I, I don't know. I think at, at those lines, you almost you, you got to consider a play on Dustin here. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know how much value is there because again, for me, the counter case, right? If I was to try to argue for a McGregor win, here's what I would say: I would say in the first round of their second fight, McGregor hit him at will. Could Poirier couldn't stop him? His head movement wasn't there. His his defensive boxing never really showed up until he slowed McGregor down. And two, maybe there is something to Poirier rocking uh, headgear. Maybe maybe his coaches are worried about his chin. Maybe he did get tagged in training. Um, well, know, who knows how old that video is. Right. I mean, I mean, again, I'm not saying this is my stance. I'm saying this is how I would argue for a McGregor win. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how much I... I think those odds sound about right. Honestly, I don't know if there, I find a ton of value there, but yeah. I also agree with you that late betting McGregor fanboys, especially after the weigh-in when the media frenzy is at its highest, will almost force the odds to change because there will be a big influx of dumb money, and then there may be some value. Yeah, and I think one thing you could you could consider here with this fight, which which I may do, is you're getting about three to one odds plus three hundred on McGregor first round KO. And then for for Dustin in those later third fourth rounds, I mean you're looking at anywhere from seven to one all the way up to like ten eleven to one depending on the round. So uh, the the fights something like minus almost minus five hundred to not go the distance. So the odds makers are, are telling us it's it's gonna be a finish, which you know judging you gotta agree with. But at that point you gotta think Connor his best chance again at done is is in that first round, maybe the second round, but. Um, you, you, you could definitely consider sprinkling a little bit on, on Connor early or maybe Dustin late. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, I will be I'll be very curious to see how the odds go between weigh-ins and uh the actual fight and the bell, right? I think it, I think you're going to see some really interesting changes as dumb money comes in and as we get to see these fighters in uh in their fight shape, right? I think I'm really curious to see how McGregor looks and I think that'll be a, a helpful indicator of how hard he's prepared for this matchup. Yeah, I agree. Well shit, man, this this was awesome. This is uh this is just two brothers talking uh talking some fights. So Yeah, yeah, this was great, man. I, I, I really like this format. Um so the plan actually I'm gonna put this on YouTube uh probably first because that's I think the best way to get get the discovery so youtube commenters man let us know what your picks are and if you think the value is there uh also after the fights if anything we got wrong which of course we didn't we got it all right but you can you know let mock us in the comments for for our incorrect analysis um yeah other than that make sure i'll have the link to your twitter account in uh in the description i'll probably put my instagram account um and you know maybe my other youtube channels if you're into tabletop miniatures um yeah and uh and it uh, and also let us know any topics you have for next week um yeah other than that i think that's all i had any you have any parting shots no let's uh let's enjoy these fights this weekend so let's get our favorite beer our favorite whiskey and sit back and it should be a good one yeah yeah it will all right guys thank you for tuning in and uh we will see you next week we're out all right